The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to part five of gold and silver. This is the concluding part of the series and we are landing um, the plane, if you will, um, in this part five. We, we, we have been totally, totally amazed at how God has opened his word up to us. So we, we will start in Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 as we have done and the word of God says in Second Corinthians 9, 8, and God will generously provide all you need. Say amen. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with other people. So we see that God's heart for God's people is to have more than enough. We see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament is consistent with the heart of the Father. In fact, when we look at when God set up his initial community, the nation of Israel, in Deuteronomy 15, verse 4, Deuteronomy 15, 4, the word of God says that there should be no poor among you. There should be no poor among you. For the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he's giving you as a special possession. Yet, by the time we go to verse 11, the word of God says that there will always be poor people in the land. So I command you to give freely to your neighbors and to the poor and the needy in your land. So we see in the same chapter, God speaking to his people about his heart for their prosperity. He's saying there should be, should be. But a few verses down the line, he says there will always be. Now, what category do you want to be? Those that are aligned with God's heart and are prosperous or those that need to be taken care of by those of us that are prosperous? So, <laughs> you know, the question is, where do you want to be? And the way it is set up is that it is all in your hands. God has done his own part. Jesus had died on the cross. And we've seen the significance of that to our, to our wealth. And our, and our prosperity in every sphere. So it's in our hands. And as we learn and our minds are opened up to what God has for us, we begin to operate in the fullness of all that he has already provided for us. So we see the diagram that we ha we, we've had consistently from part one. We have the, the covenant. We have the mindset. We have the practices. So it all starts with the covenant, the covenant, the covenant. When the covenant is in place, it influences our mindsets. And our mindset determines our practices. And our practices reinforces the covenant. And it's all connected. And that is how to operate in the wealthy place. It always starts with the covenant. And if you put up the gear system, we see the covenant is the big gear. 
that moves and controls the mindset, which moves and controls the practices. So one cycle of the covenant, for instance, will have generated several mindset shifts, which obviously will have generated several more practices that are going to change. So it all starts with the covenant. And we explained, and like, like we said, we are learning the series today. So we explained the covenant in detail. And we, we, in every part, in part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, we look at the covenant, we look at the mindset, we look at the practices. We look at the covenant, mindset, practices. And in the mindset, we, we've looked at eight mindsets. And we have looked at eight practices. Today, we are going to add a new mindset, then unpack for that two of the practices we've already talked about, then we add um, a new practice. So we're going to have, at the end of the day, nine mindsets, nine practices. We looked at the covenant mindset, the abundance mindset, the contentment mindset, the what we've called the think big mindset. We looked at the optimistic mindset. We looked at the service mindset. We looked at the value mindset. We looked at the pragmatic mindset. And in our practices, once the covenant is in place and the mindsets are in place, we will learn to earn. The first practice is earning. Then the, the second practice is we slow the spend. We slow the spend. And there's this video that we always like to shoot when we get to slow the spend. Let's have the video. Any money where I get like this, any little change, now enjoyment. No worry about my future. My future, I know they go anywhere. I'm going to think about my future next year. Any little money or little change, now enjoyment. Now bad with a flanger. Amazing. Then number three, we have the pay the price. Pay the price. Number four, connect with people. Number five, lend to God. Number six, control your emotions. Number seven, fund is cause. Number eight, move with courage. Move with courage. So, again, covenant, mindset, practice. So, so let's start with covenant again today. In Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14, it says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scriptures. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, I mean, this is beautiful, listen, God has blessed the Gentiles, that is us, you and I, with the same, everybody said the same, the same blessing he, pro, he pronounced on Abraham, he promised to Abraham. So what Christ did for us is to engraft us into the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is everlasting. So it is the same covenant that the Jews have, physical Jews, is the same covenant that we, the spiritual Jews, have. In fact, there's a place in scripture that says that we, as, we have citizenship. 
of Israel, you know, they, they just don't know it yet, but we are, we are Israelis, you know, they, they, they just probably will give us the passport like that, but we are actually Jews. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So we see that throughout history, Jews have been disproportionately successful with money. Throughout history. And the sacred source, if you will, of the Jew is the Abrahamic covenant. You can argue that, oh, they are not perfect people. Oh, they, they've done this, they've done that. Oh, um, they don't even, some of them don't even know God, you could claim. But God is a covenant-keeping God. And if you operate the covenant, it works for you. And there's a concept from the covenant that we need to understand. And that is the concept of esed. It's a, it's a Hebrew word called esed, H-E-S-E-D. What does esed mean? Esed means when the one from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. Hallelujah. When the one from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. So I wake up this morning because of the covenant that I have with God. The one that really, without the covenant, I should expect nothing from has chosen to give me everything. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. That is what separates people from the pack. The understanding and the operation of the covenant. That is what will make a whole nation jealous of Isaac. A whole nation jealous of David. A whole nation jealous of, of Abraham. Because of the understanding and operation of, of the covenant. And to us, in Luke 16, 16, it says that the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, and those are the components of the covenant, expounded and explained for everything pointing to Christ. It says, but since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. You know, <laughs> the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way. What does that mean? It means that the kingdom of God is being preached as it is being preached. Gold and silver, the good news of God. But it's not going to drop on your laps. You have to press into it. You have to force into it, if, as, as it were. You, have, you need to take a position where you're like the um, importunate woman. You avenge me of my adversary or you have no sleep. You have to take the posture of, of the woman with issue of blood. If I can just touch the helm of his garment, I will be healed. You have to take the posture of Jacob. I will not let you go except you bless me. The kingdom of God has been preached. It's forcefully advancing, another translation says. And everyone is forcing their way into it. So, Having said that, in operating the covenant, one thing it does to us is that the covenant gives us like an inbuilt GPS system where regardless of what is happening around us, it leads us to how to position 
it leads us to how to, where to go, where to stay, where to sit. You know, like we see that clearly in Genesis 26 from verse 1. It says that a severe storm, a severe famine, sorry, now struck the land as had happened in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved from Gerah, where Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go to Egypt. So we see Isaac moved from, <laughs> amazing, but do as I tell you, live here in the foreign land and I'll prosper you. And God prospered him and, and, and the rest is, is history as it is said. So, so well, what's the point here? The point here is this, there was famine in the land, but Isaac just knew to move. Isaac knew to move, you know, and it is not just to move. God, because God is the God of covenant, God restrained him on where not to go. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that the God of heaven will restrain you from going into the land of destruction in the name of Jesus. I pray that the God of heaven will inspire your directions. The covenant does that. Covenant people are guided people. Guided people. So let's move to the mindset we are going to talk about today. The mindset we're going to talk about today, you know, is what we've called and what is called the growth mindset. The growth mindset. To have a growth mindset means that you think that with work, your skills and capacity can actually improve over time to become whoever you dream of being. So if you have a growth mindset, it means that you, regardless of where you are right now, you know that you can actually grow. You know that you can actually increase. You know that you can actually be better. Let me give you an example. Have you heard people say stuff like, well, I just don't know math. That is a static mindset. I don't know maths. What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. Growth mindset says, I'm struggling with maths or I have struggled with maths. But with the right time, um, that is invested time, and effort and practice, I can be better in maths. Totally different things. Totally different things. Someone could say that, oh, pastor, I, I just can't speak good English. We, we don't speak good English in my family. I'm at that money. I'm at that one. We, we fire bazooka. You know, that's that. My father was taboy. My my great grandfather was taboy. Now tabo tabo, we just tabo things. We we just fire bullets. But that is a static mindset. A, a growth mindset says, <laughs> I can enroll for English classes. I can change that. I can grow. I can. You see, regardless of the limitation that is upon your family, regardless of how it looks like, in fact, they may even call it a curse. It happened to your father, to your grandfather, to your grandfather. You, a growth mindset says it's going to end with me. It's not going to even happen to me. It's going to, it has ended with my father. It's not going to come with, to me. It could be your mother. 
the same pattern. And a, a static mindset feels helpless towards it. A growth mindset says, with God on my side, I'm going to change the story. To work in the wealth that God has for you, you must have a growth mindset. A growth mindset is saying everything is possible. A growth mindset is saying I am fully committed to learning. I am fully committed to learning. Learning is completely indispensable. Completely. If you want to work in wealth, it's completely because things are changing so fast. So fast. And one of the, I mean, just, I mean, leave this here, and I'm trying to help you here, is that, yes, you learn from books, yes, you learn from, from, you know, studies and courses and lectures and all that. You know, one of the ways of going faster, further, when it comes to having a growth mindset, is get a mentor. Learn from a mentor. There's someone that has walked this path before, this, if you find the person, you will go further faster. You must have heard me say this several times that I'm standing on shoulders of giants, <laughs> you know, as it were. And, and you know them. I've, I've listed them severally. Financially, educationally, get a mentor. Spiritually, vocationally, you know, get a mentor. Proverbs 13. 20 says, Proverbs 13, 20 says that one who works with the wise become wise. You want to be, you, you want to build, have a good marriage. Get a mentor. Get a mentor. You want to build a good business. Get a mentor. Get a mentor. One who works with the wise becomes wise but whoever keeps company with fools only hurt himself so the ninth mindset is the growth mindset again this series i encourage you to go back and listen to it from part one so that all the mindsets can all fit together so we go on from there we did say that we'll talk about we'll unpack two of the existing practices then we add a ninth practice and and we'll be done so the first um practice that we want to unpack further is the the fourth practice which is connect with people connect with people you you, you must love people you must have a heart to love people. Yeah, people will hurt you. Yeah, people will disappoint you. But you cannot hate people. You cannot detest people. It is the trap of the enemy to put you in darkness and to put out your light. God has created us to connect. And you cannot connect without love. To your child to your spouse, to your business partner, to your community, you can't connect without love. The word, the overarching word for love in the Hebrew is a word called ahava. You know, by the time you break down all the 
other four um, major um, filial, agape, eros, and, and, you know, and all that. You know, they are all under the umbrella of, of the word aeva. And aeva is a word is for love, of course, in Hebrew. And it means the consequence of accepting and discharging obligation. Wow. There's love in God's own language, if you, if you will, in Hebrews, in Hebrew, is the consequence of accepting and discharging obligation. So, love is a byproduct of accepting and discharging obligation. If you want your love for your child to grow, accept and discharge your obligation towards that child. And that's how it works. Accepting and discharging. So, you know, we talked about product, you know, I, I learned from, from a friend of mine, and, and, we, and we say that it must first start as a privilege, then a responsibility, then an obligation, then, then, then a duty. So, connecting with people has to be, has to be genuine. You, you can't connect with the whole world, yes, but you can connect with some people. And the, the more you increase your cycle, the more influential you become connecting now again yeah we can start with social media but you must go beyond social media because social media doesn't afford that connection that the bible talks about face to face the word there is panim face in hebrew and that word is the same word as inside as we have learned the face we know has over 50 muscles for communications, over 50 muscles, distinct muscles in, in your face for communication, <laughs> for the purpose of communication, you know. So your face tells us a lot of things about you before we even before you even open your mouth. You know, I'm not saying you should be paranoid that someone is not even thinking about you and just, you know, thinking about work and you're like, oh, I see her face, oh, her face, she must hate me. No, 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 no. But I'm talking about you taking responsibility for your face and communicating with your face, using your face to actually connect. We see different expressions of that in scriptures. When you, says, when the, you see the Bible says, and he turned his face to the ground. It's, it's a, when your face is to the ground, it's a, it's a place of humility. Sometimes it's also a place of humiliation where you cannot lift up your face among your, your friends or your peers. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. Everywhere you've been humiliated, God will give you glory. God will honor you in the mighty name of Jesus. You will be able to lift up your face. You'll be able to lift up your head. And we also see many times that Jesus will lift up his eyes, his face to heaven. Jesus will lift up his face to, to heaven. So your face is so powerful. Exodus 33, 11 says, Inside the tent of the meeting, the Lord will speak to Moses how face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Inside to inside, face to face, face to face. You know, no wonder, I mean, um, uh, we all know the, 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 the saying that the, 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 the communication is in the face. You know, uju noroa, communication is in the face, talk is in the face. So your face is one of the keys to your fortune. Your face is one of the keys to your fortune. 
You must learn to have an expressive face. You must not just carry around a lazy face. You know, you are gloomy. Your face, oh, just the whole world is upon your shoulders. No, your face and connecting to people is so powerful because no one becomes successful without seeing the good face. Guess what? Of another man, <laughs> no one becomes successful. That's how God has done it. Can say, I, I don't need any man. God is my source. Yes, God is your source. God is my source. God is our source. But no one becomes successful without seeing the good face of another man. You even check the, the richest people in the world. You know, is it um, Elon Musk? If he didn't get the good face of the people that are buying his product, people that are buying his product, they love him. Is it Jeff Bezos? If they didn't find the good face. So I'm praying for you today in the name of Jesus that you will find the good face of jewelry. You find the good face of people that are important to your life and destiny in the mighty name of Jesus. And of course, same, you know, David will say, I lift up my eyes to the ears. From West Cobb. What, what does David mean when he says I look to my eyes to the ears? David is saying, I'm, I'm looking for the good face of God. I'm looking for the good face of God. And see, when you see the good face of God, nothing good passes you by. Your help comes from God. So connecting with people and, and, and having that face to face with people is so powerful. And it's so instrumental to your wealthy peace. The second practice we want to unpack further is fund is cause. Fund is cause. That's number seven. Fund is cause. And that is different from lending to God. You see, the Bible says that when we help the poor, you lend to God. And we saw that. But when you fund is cause, you partner with God. So, so, Pastor, what I say, what I'm saying is this: when you help the poor, you lend to God. But when you fund His cause, you partner with God. There's a difference between loan and equity. So, when you help the poor, that's what the Bible says: you lend to the Lord. It's a loan, and God will give you payback. That's what the scripture says. God will pay you back. And guess what? Because it's God, he pays, he will give you interest on it. And that obviously will be mind-blowing. But beyond that, when you, when you fund his cause, you partner with God. That's what the scripture says. You partner with God. And that, is, that brings you to partnership, equity. So it means that if, 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 if God succeeds, you succeed. If he fails, you fail. But he won't fail. So, and it means that as much as he succeeds, you get as much um, profit for yourself also. And it's generational. It's generational. And so it means if, if you have a partnership in a company or you produce something, a, a partnership, even when you are gone, your children still receive royalties. I mean, they are children of great musicians, for instance, that are long gone, but they are still receiving royalties. There are things you do with God that puts your generation on a path of prosperity that their own children, sorry, that, that their own friends, the friends of your children 
We do the same thing your children do, so your children will come out scot free, and you're wondering what happened here. It's the covenant of their father. They will put the same effort, but your children will be mind blowing. I've, I've explained it to you before. I'm a third generation Christian, as in my grandmother, my mother, me. You are probably a fourth generation. The fifth generation will be a whole lot stronger than you. But guess what? You may be a first generation. If you're a first generation, you shouldn't compare yourself to a third generation Christian because uh, uh, the prayers you are praying is the prayers their grandfather has prayed already for them. So you are, pray, you are paying it for your own grandchildren. What's the grace they are operating in is not the prayers they are praying today. The wealth that certain people are working in is the wealth that their grandfather has paved for them. There was this, I mean, I, I've shared this before. I, I have a friend. And her story is she's, she's very enigmatic. And in discussing with her, I discovered that her father, I don't know, her grandfather, used to build churches. Build churches. Build churches. I'm like, you wonder. The man was in partnership with God. And you see, Money, you can argue, is neutral. You know, people say money is neutral. Money just brings out who you are. Money doesn't determine who you are. If you are humble, it will be obvious that when you have money. If, if, if you are proud, it will be obvious when you have money. And on and on and on and on. Why, why you could say that? But naturally. But see, the truth is that spiritually, money is not neutral. Money is not neutral spiritually. Money is, at, you see, the Bible says that it, it, it brings affection that can be at variance with God. That can be neutral. Let me prove it to you again. Let's say you're walking down the street <laughs> and it's a lonely path, bushy area, and you see $10,000 on the, on the pathway. You're just walking by. You see ten thousand dollars. Would you walk past? <laughs> if you walk past, you need deliverance. <laughs> you shouldn't walk past. It, it, the money compels you to stop. You may not take it, but you will stop. You may not carry it, but you will look at it. That can't be neutral. No, no, that's not neutral. In fact, many of us will carry it. You know, <laughs> some of us will take it to the authorities, and some of us will put it in our pockets. Money is not neutral spiritually. Spiritually. And so we learned that, you know, partnering with God and funding his cause is a way of creating and making generational wealth. And I've given you examples of that. It's a creative way of making generational wealth. And God says to us, Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1, verse 1, I mean, God uses farming techniques consistently in scriptures. He says, send your grain across, across the seas and in time profit will flow back to you. <laughs> Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they 
never harvest. Plant your seed in the morning and keep planting all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or the other or maybe both. And I'm saying in the name of Jesus, it will come from both. It will come from all in the mighty name of, of, of Jesus. So, Pastor, how do you feel when people give to God? How do you feel personally when people feel when people give to God? I, I feel pretty excited because of their destiny. That's that's what I feel. You know, the world has made a lot of attempt to shame the church, <laughs> you know, when it comes to finances. You know, but the devil is a liar. You know, the purposes of God will continue to prosper in our hands in the mighty name of Jesus. So we fund his cause. Everybody say fund his cause. We fund his cause. And the ninth practice, which is the new one we are adding today, is be trustworthy. Be trustworthy. Now, you may say, what has trustworthiness got to do with wealth? What has God's trustworthiness got to do? It has everything to do with wealth. It has everything to do with how wealthy you become. In fact, trustworthiness is, is a virtue that has been eroded in, in, in our times. You know, really, really er eroded. You know, neighbors are not trustworthy anymore. Back in the day, when you are going out, you drop your keys with your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> do you do that today in Lagos? You know, do you do that today? Or, or what? Growing up, back in the day, we used to drop our children, or they used to drop us <laughs> with the children with our neighbors. If this neighbor is not, I'm not even talking about one rare neighbor that you can trust. If this neighbor is not around, you can stay in this other person's, anyone on the street. You can stay in this other person's house till your parents come back. Or you can, and you do that for other people's children also. But today, can you even imagine your children coming back from school and you are not at home? And you say that you go to your neighbor's house. Many of us, we, we have our palpitations. <laughs> you know, we, because we've eroded trustworthiness. And trustworthiness is so powerful. What's it to be trustworthy? To be trustworthy basically means to be deserving of confidence. It means that I have confidence in this person. This person is deserving of confidence. Listen, we've eroded trust. And trust is so connected to wealth. So there's this diagram that the people, everyone that you could possibly know, is the big circle. Now, you don't get wealthy because of everyone that you could possibly know. There's an inner circle of those that you know, not those that you possibly know. So there are people you know. Your wealth is in that inner circle of the people that you know, not the people you possibly know. Now, let's take it further. The people that you know and the people that know you, so there's an inner circle still 
the people that know you. Your, your wealth is in the people that know you. Now, it's not just the people that you know that know you. It's people that you know that know you, that likes you, that you know that knows you, that likes you. <laughs> not just the people that you know, that knows you, that likes you, they're still at inner circle. And that is where the magic happens. The people that you know, that knows you, that likes you, that trusts you. The people that trust you. The people that trust you. Again, do you enter a, call, a room, maybe two people are talking, they're talking big stuff. You enter a room, they, they keep quiet. <laughs> no, no, no. When you enter the room, they should say, ah, where we, this is what we are talking about. Come and join the conversation. Why? Because they trust you. Because they trust you. There's a video we're going to show now. The man that tested <laughs> one of his laborers, he tested his laborers with 100,000 pounds as though the laborer has won 100,000 pounds. But as soon as the laborer thought he had 100,000 pounds, how he behaved Unbelievable. Let's have the, the video. Spread so I just went, bought my laborer a lottery cost. ticket. Hey, do you know what told cost? him we share if he I wins. Won quid on one of these. It's a fake uh, 100,000 win. Only time I ever, ever won anything, though. Don't think I've ever won anything. Anytime. Well, there's always a first time. What's the matter? Have you won? Oh, no. <laughs> um, you got a free to win, and I got... I got two, so close. Oh, just one away. <laughs> got all excited. Watch what he does at the end. Put it in your pocket for. No, oh, no, I'm just keeping the rubbish out of your car. The car's filthy. Come on then, show me the ticket. Uh, what, you accusing me of lying? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I swear my dad's life, I haven't won. Mate, you look like you've seen a ghost. You're shaking and everything. Yeah, because it just. Because I, I got two and. The... Come on, let me just see the ticket. You're accusing me of lying. You know what, boss? I don't like being accused of a liar. Sticky hey. job. Are you serious? You know what? Stick your job. I don't want the job. I resign. And you know what? Don't oh ever contact God. me again. I, people that accuse me of lying are not my friend. You I'm have got to be kidding me. Oh, my God. So trustworthiness is more about authenticity than it is about perfection. So when you say you have to be trustworthy, sometimes as if it's a huge load or have to be perfect. No, 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 no. Be trustworthy. Be authentic. That's what it means. Trustworthiness doesn't mean perfection. In fact, if you are trustworthy, you are authentic, you are honest about your strength, you are actually honest about your weaknesses also. If you are trustworthy, you are actually honest about your weaknesses. You, you don't pretend that you have it all together. That is when you are dishonest. And that is when people can see that you are not trustworthy. So to be trustworthy, you have to be honest about your weaknesses. But on the things that are committed to you, the little things. In Luke 16, verse 10, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with what is little will also be dishonest with much. Can I labor? If you are dishonest with, I mean, one of the things I get as pastors is that people say, Oh, pastor, let God bless me. Ah, God, we know the kind of son he has, the kind of daughter he has. I like that. But you see, the little that God has given you, how faithful are you with that? If you can't be faithful with it, God knows that you cannot be faithful with the Lord, with the 
Say, but pastor, how do you know? And let me have the much first. I'll be faithful. God says, no. When we see that you are faithful in little, of course, much will be automatic. Are you that kind of person? That God will look at and say, I need to expand this boy's ghost because he's actually faithful. In verse 11, it says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, we will trust you with true riches. If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, we will give you property of your own. So we see that trustworthiness is key to even releasing wealth to you. Trustworthiness is big, is big, is big. Before heaven can open the windows of heaven upon you, trustworthiness is, is big. Genesis 2, verse 5, it says, God did not cause it to rain because there was no man to work the earth. There was no one to man. There was no one that was trustworthy. The, 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 the land and the earth of a lot of people have seed in it. The seed is there. God was not just planting it. But it has not grown. There's no harvest. And you're like, I have seed in the ground. There's no harvest. But God is saying, I can't see anyone that is trustworthy on your land. I'm praying that that will not be your story. That God will find you trustworthy and open the windows of heaven upon your land and cause your seeds to bring forth in the mighty name of Jesus. So I want to pray for you today if you're saying that, Pastor, I want to be trustworthy with God. I want to be trustworthy with God. The first step really, is to accept Christ. Is to, is to accept Jesus. They say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to accept Jesus. Wherever you are, you may be in a physical church, you may be online, you may be as you are online, you may be on the road, in the office, wherever you are. I want you to lift up your hand when I make the call. I want to give my life to Jesus. If you are in church, lift up your hand. If you are online, lift up your hand now, over your head. God bless you. That is me. Put it up. The RP is going to take over from here.